What's up, guys? Thanks for coming to our Kaafa and Miss You podcast. Here, you will find resources to help you grow in real devotion, real community, and real responsibility. So you can learn to love Jesus, not just for a season, but for a lifetime. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Some people not in sweats for the first time in months. Some people not in sweaters or in sweaters, but they made it look dressier. Yeah. So, Come on. And some people know who they are, so they're just giving me a weird look. So if you see people that in a sweater, but it looks like a dressy sweater, you know what I'm talking about. But I really was. I, was, I even looked at a few people and was like, I didn't recognize them for a second because if you like... I wore a hat all the time, and then I took my hat off, and he realized I was bald. He wouldn't know who I was. I know. She was like, "Ooh." I was in her face. She was all. She wasn't like, "Ooh." Um, I've thought about it. You have this receding hairline thing happening. Do it. <laughs> I'll do it if you do your beard. Never mind. Oh, I feel like the beard is less costly than the head, right? Yeah. Almost. What? No. Either way. No. <laughs> Jake, we all know how that looks. Jake rocked the, the ball head and the beard. It looks scary. It was awesome. There's no better way to build a small group than by intimidation. But hey, on a serious note, the salt is going to, it really is going to be phenomenal. And yeah! I almost, I almost guarantee you that there's not at least somebody in your life that can't just snap and $150 appear. I promise. If you pay 50 someone else will pay the rest. It doesn't even have to be your parents. There's people with money, and you just got to ask for it. Don't point at me. Chris, he's like, I'm coming for you. It's the man in the suit. I can't snap. I'll have to go to the bank. I'm not, you know. But in all seriousness, if you just ask, someone will help you go. And if not, then your small group leader will help you sell some stuff so you can go. Yeah. So you can go market, and we'll make it happen. Yeah. Well, and I might even sell a disc or two. Oh. It'll only get you like fifteen dollars for each one. So we're gonna go through too much. But nonetheless, I really am excited and I hope you go and you'd be lying to me and everyone else if you're like, oh college students don't want to go on road trips and experience anything. That's the number one thing I hear people want to do, and this is a road trip for New Year's Eve. Yeah. New Year's night party Ooh. in Dallas, Texas at a five-star hotel, so don't yeah. tell me that's not an experience to go to. Yeah. So, anyways, nonetheless, there also is going to be some form of a movie premiering that night. Does anyone know about that? I don't know. Don't ask me. I don't know anything about it. But I do know that a few years ago, maybe it's longer, the years go by so fast and they feel so short. Um, but a few years ago, a movie came out called The Quiet Place. <clears throat> now, Dude, it was phenomenal. I did realize that after the first time, you've kind of seen it, so you really just watch it to watch other people. Um, but that's okay. And this was John Krasinski's first chance to direct a movie. He had one chance to make a movie that counted. A movie that people liked. A movie that people remembered. And a movie that would make people want another one. He had one short chance to make a long-lasting effect. Now, the question was, would he waste it or would he use it? We all know examples of what it looks like to have a wasted chance. We see headlines of athletes 
waste their talent on drugs and pleasure and lawsuits. We see friends waste their one chance, one short chance at education for a thrill and lack of discipline. People either make their short opportunities meaningful or they make them wasteful. Now the span of all mankind on earth is brief indeed. And if the span of all mankind is brief, your time here and my time here will be brief indeed. One breath, it'll seem like, and you'll be gone. One short life is all you have, so you might as well make it count. When your life is done, when your heaven begins, will anyone be there because of you? Will anyone enjoy Jesus forever because of how you lived? Will your life count? And what better way to test our lives than by looking at the lives of three young men who have gone before us? <clears throat> this 19-year-old first stepped foot on campus at Yale University, and his only fear that first day was that he would not be able to give Jesus the time he deserved, which is a concern many of us did not have when we first came to New Mexico State. David Brainerd, during the semester, would leave to be alone with God, believing that one hour with him infinitely exceeded all the other pleasures of this lower world. And at 24, when he left Yale, he rode on horseback to live with the Native Americans in northeastern United States. Five years he spent sleeping on hay. Five years he spent weeping for the Native Americans. Five years he was ignored by his family and eventually becoming so sick he could barely ride his horse anywhere. At 28, in a cold, dark night on snow-covered ground, while coughing up blood on the snow, he would pray for his Native American friends. Through burning fevers, he would preach to them. And at age 29, no longer able to get out of bed, he believed if he had a thousand more lives, they would only be worth it if he lived it this exact same way. And with that, at 29 years old, his one breath had ended. He had used this one short life for one end, that the one and only God would be loved and worshipped by the ones who don't deserve him. His life counted because his studies would not keep him from God. The world could offer him jobs and pleasure, but it could not offer the Native Americans a King Jesus. So he decided that he would deny what the world could give him so that he could give them what the world could not. Yeah. And people have Jesus forever because of him. A 19-year-old made his one short life, shorter than we anticipate, count. So will you. Will your life count? Will you use your life on short-lived pleasures? Or will your one short life have eternal purposes? It was another day at Yale University, but not just another average person was walking on campus. It was a millionaire and an heir to a family fortune. But William Borden would not waste his one short life. At 18 years old, his only and deepest longing in his heart was that every man on that university would be reached. His small group would get a list of their sophomore class, and they would volunteer to take names on the list so that all might know Jesus. And when it came to some of the harder people, some that no one else wanted, there would be a pause of silence because nobody wanted the responsibility. And then Borden would say, give him to me. 
To him, life was not a question of being someone or having something. It was simply a question of the will of God, knowing it, doing it, and loving it. And such a life he knew was possible, even in college, where the studies were much rigorous, much more rigorous than here. He could not speak about small group bleeding, even at its hardest time, as a sacrifice. To him, it was a privilege of the highest order that was only given to man, not even angels had this privilege. And only once do we have it. After graduating with his bachelor's degree from Yale and his master's from Princeton, William Borden had every job opportunity that one could imagine. Then he had his family fortune on top of it. And then he had his family company after that. But he would take none of it, so long as there were Chinese Muslims that did not know Jesus. So on March 20th, 1913, William was, on, was in Cairo as a missionary, training to go to China. And that would be his last night walking the streets of Cairo. The next day, he was in the hospital with spiral meningitis. And less than three weeks later, he died at 25 years old. And with that, his one short breath had ended. When he had denied the riches of his inheritance, he wrote in his Bible, no reserves. When he boarded the ship to Cairo, he wrote, no retreats. And while laying in his bed those three final weeks, ready to die, he wrote, no regrets. One of his friends wrote about him and said, our friend William was a brother and a soldier. Every inch of him was a soldier of Jesus Christ. Are we, every inch, a soldier for King Jesus? William Borden used this one short life to have everlasting purposes. If yours was cut that short, would you? Can our lives really count without winning souls for Jesus? I would think not, for God is most glorified when a person is made from a self-pleasing monster to a son or daughter that is selfless as he is. The greatest demonstration of God's love is not through feeding the homeless, giving to the poor, or service projects, and it's actually not even through preaching, although none of those are bad in and of themselves and actually do quite a lot of good. The greatest demonstration of God's love is when a man or woman gives up their wants, gives up their time, gives up their finances to make disciples for Him. Alexander McLean said, The meaning of being a Christian is that in response to this gift of a whole Christ, I will give my whole self to Him. It's silly to think that we wait for Christmas for our greatest gifts when it says that a son was already given to us. Matthew 1 says, And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins, from their selfishness, from their need to please themselves. Being born to die, Jesus, similarly, had one short life to make one everlasting effect. The innocent king took the beating that rebels deserve so that we could become sons and daughters. With one short life, the king of beauty purchased servants of filth. The cross was Jesus using this one short life for our eternal benefit. And there is a song that illuminates the heart of Jesus for us. It says, one song, I have but one song, one song, only for you. 
One heart tenderly beating, ever entreating, constant and true. One love that has possessed me, one love thrilling me through. One song keeps my heart singing of one love only for you. Jesus made his one short life count for everlasting purposes for you. Christmas is not so much a reminder of us getting, although I would lie if I said I hope I don't get some nice things. It is a reminder of giving, not of gifts, but hopefully our lives. Because when you wake up Christmas morning, may you be joyful, yes. May you be warm, yes. May you be loved and in peace. But may you remember that we give our lives to the one who gave us his first. And there is no more appropriate way to give our lives to Jesus than as soldiers in his army. God commands to make disciples. God's command to make disciples is not a calling for some who you need an audible voice for. There's already been a written verse that making it a command for all. So as Justin and the staff come back up here with the worship team, allow me one more story to lead into our time of communion. There was a large urban city in India called Patiala, and in this city was the son of a wealthy landowner and prominent man. He was brought up in luxury with money, meaning nothing. there was nothing he could not buy. He had the best education that money can buy in the region. But he was a 19-year-old Sikh who had heard of Christianity and took this irrevocable step of declaring himself a Christian. Now, this is usually a small thing for Americans to do, but for this man named Carter Singh, it meant losing his father, it meant losing his wealth, and it meant losing his future. So after losing everything, he went to Tibet, where Buddhists have a deep hatred at the time for Jesus and his people. And after preaching and teaching about Jesus, the great Buddhist teacher of the city had Carter arrested and sentenced to death. Carter was stripped of his clothes, wrapped in wet yak skin, and thrown out into the sun. And as the skin would dry, it would shrink and tighten around his body. And so as it dried, the people would laugh as they would hear his bones cracking in the slow process of death. And on the ground next to him was his New Testament. So he freed his hand, grabbed his Bible, and wrote, Is this a deathbed where a Christian lies? Yes, but not his. It is death itself here that dies. And with that, Carter's one short breath had ended. In less than two short years of serving, loving, and knowing Jesus, he was killed. Now did his one short life count? The Buddhist teacher that sentenced him to death had a secretary that watched Carter to the end. He watched him grab his Bible and eventually told this teacher that he had also given his heart to Jesus. The teacher, now angrier than before, decided to ensure that no one else would follow this Jesus. So he had his secretary wrapped in wet yakskin, thrown out in the sun, and then had red-hot skewers thrust into his body to increase the agony. Tired of waiting for him to die, the man was tied to a horse and then drugged naked through the city and thrown outside the city to die. But when the man regained his strength, little by little, he crawled away. And when he had recovered, he went to preach again. And because of their fear of the supernatural in that area, no one in that country ever dared to touch him again. So he was able to travel throughout Tibet his entire life freely preaching and teaching about Jesus. Carter Singh had one short life 
that led to one dark country freely hearing about Jesus, which had never and has never happened so freely since. Small group leaders. Small group leaders are the heroes of the world. Not activists, not humanitarians, and not preachers. The ones who live life daily with other people so that they can fall in love with Jesus. They are the heroes. They made their one short life count. They are the ones who weep for people who do not understand the riches of knowing Jesus. They are the ones who give what cannot be returned, their time, so that others can have what can never be taken, which is Jesus himself. They sacrifice for King Jesus and see it as only a privilege. They abide in Jesus daily. They honor our staff and speak nothing but highly of one another. They are accurate representations of Jesus and his character. They fight for this campus because on this campus, Jesus fought for them. So now, as we get ready to take communion, the power of communion is that Jesus drank the cup of your suffering and mine so that you could drink from his cup of life. Communion, however, is a sacred table. You cannot eat from the table of yourself and the table of the Lord. You cannot live for yourself and eat from the table the table where those seated utterly live for Jesus. The Bible says that he who takes the sacred gift of God in an unworthy manner takes damnation upon himself. So I would not be right to just say freely, come, with no thought behind it. The scripture says to let each one examine him or herself. Which table do you eat from? If your one short life is spent daily for Jesus, then this table is for you. If your one short life is spent on you, then this table is not for you. But it can be. You can change the table you eat from, and you can change the direction of this one short life you have. If that's you, then you should definitely tell your small group leader, and then you should tell Jesus. And know that if you come to this table, you will be held accountable to what you are claiming, that your life is spent on Him and not yourself. For everyone else, when you come to this table, it's so we can remember all that Jesus has done, which is easy to forget. Remember that you were loved, not because you deserved it, but in spite of the fact that you didn't deserve it. You were given a home that you could have never earned. You were made a part of God's army, one which you could never be fully prepared for, but he does it for you. G.K. Chesterton said that Rome was not loved because she was beautiful. She was beautiful because she was loved. And so remember, the same applies to you. Any goodness you might have now, you once did not, you don't have him because of that. You have that because of him. So remember, to take communion in deep gratitude for what Jesus has done for us, and not forget that we didn't deserve any of it. So Jesus, we love you. Would you give us a vision for what you